I'm Alessandra. I'm Sophia. I'm Matt. I'm Ren. I'm Lily. I'm Kat. And I'm Cass. So today we're going to kind of just be talking about the ways that visual, literary things kind of catch our eyes. So like the things of like the signs and their fonts, the way that menus are organized. So instead of getting real deep in meaning with some of the other things we talked about, we're going to kind of take a more creative route and a more visual route. Yeah, we were just discussing the difference in aesthetics between menus of companies that make the same product. So, uh, Ren and Kat and I were just talking about Boba King versus Kung Fu Tea. And if you go to school at Drexel University and you're listening to this, you know the aesthetic differences. Boba King basically places really nice font. More, I want to say, like, curvy writing on their menus and keeps it rather simple, like clean girl aesthetic vibes. And Boba King, we said, can be a rather chaotic menu and that may deter some people from going just because the options listed are overwhelming. I think this can create like anxiety for some people. Mm -hmm. Like when they see this, it's like inducing like feelings of, oh, I need to make a decision rapidly and I can't because there are so many options. Whereas the comforting aesthetic of Boba King attracts people and I don't know, I think that because it's visually appealing, they find more comfort in that. So I haven't been to Boba King. I mean, looking at it now, like, do you think people kind of understand? Do you think people can go in there and like kind of know what to... My grandparents came down two weekends ago and they are older, obviously, and they know next to nothing about Boba. And I, I said, you know, well, we could either go to Kung Fu Tea or we could go to Boba King, but I... I think you guys would like Boba King more because they're not a huge fan of like the, the tapioca balls. And Boba King has, you know, the sweetbreads and they've got croissants and they've got custard and mm. stuff like that. And so we went in and the first thing my grandmother said, she went, oh, look at the menu. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's pretty, isn't it? And it was easy for her to understand because like what we were saying, the menu had pictures of a lot of the items and that made it easier for you know, my very visual grandparents to sort of look at this and be like, oh, okay, so that's what, you know, this honey crown thing is, this crunchy little fun snack. So yeah, I find the Kung Fu Tea menu, like, mm -hmm. it's the same font, it's got spacing that's next to nothing, just mm -hmm. a zillion things in a row. It's very confusing. And mm -hmm. when they do use visuals, it's like loud graphics that are also confusing. Also with Boba King, I think this is also the case with like ice cream parlors or other drink places. Um, they have like certain drinks, have certain names, like they have fun things like mango tango or like cookie crumble, fruit loops. And I, I feel like that engages with people more because it's, it's kind of fun and it pops out to them. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, Kung Fu Tea doesn't have like those snazzy names most of the time either. And then just like jumping off of what you said, Ren, with the menu, I noticed that Boba King like the words like are also just bigger yeah. and then like you said there's like this use of like different size fonts like there's a hierarchy to these fonts that makes it more visually appealing and easier to understand that at Kung Fu Tea. Actually something interesting I think that part of the reason Shake Shack took off because Shake Shack started as a hot dog stand. It started as a hot dog stand it was one guy running this stand he had like three hot dogs that he sold but I think the reason it's now sort of turned into this worldwide chain is because of how they branded themselves. You know, like their menu, you walk in and it's gorgeous. Their menu is 
gorgeous. It's, it's backlit and it's nice to look at and stuff like that. And I remember when they first started out in the cast of their first location, so like there was one in King of Prussia, and my dad and I walked in and it just looked like any other burger joint. You know, it was very basic. And now it's like, it's, it's pretty looking. <laughs> and I think that's part of the reason they've done so well because, you know, you, you look at it and obviously the old saying, you eat with your eyes, like, it's true. And we do judge books by their cover, you know, all of us do, even if we try not to, we do. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just an interesting thing to think about, you know, it's not something that often crosses my mind, but if you really think about it, it's, it's interesting. To kind of bounce off of that idea about judging a book by its cover, maybe we should like take a step back a little bit and talking about the menu, but kind of like, what drives you into Boba King? Is it the little bear that's on the sign? Is it just that it's different? Looks like the, the actual logo itself looks different. When we look at logos of companies, I think that there's something to be said about products that we carry with said logos. Mm -hmm. So like, let's say you have like Boba King on your cup, you obviously have like the Boba King logo and like people around you will know that you got Boba King. And it's mm -hmm. cool, you go, oh, I got the shrink from Boba King. And then you can talk about the drink that you got and you can talk about what was on the menu. I think the same thing applies to Starbucks. There oh, is such yeah. a need to have that mermaid. Such a smart way to brand, but also you're bringing attraction to the company itself. And people are inclined to be like, oh yeah, I need to go buy that product or I want to get a drink from there because mm -hmm. this cup looks cool. Mm -hmm. Or I want to have this tumbler because it matches the aesthetic of my outfit. And like, there are special edition ones, right? So when the holidays come out, you go, oh, I need another. And like, mm -hmm. it's visually appealing. So it kind of, I think, gives some people like a dopamine effect mm -hmm. as to why they want to go buy and as to why they like sitting in this place because it looks aesthetic. Therefore, they assume the place will be. And like, I think originally the intent behind Starbucks was that it was supposed to create a European style cafe. And like, if you go into some Starbucks in, that are still in the Barnes and Noble locations, they have the pictures of people on the wall, and like paintings of them. And I think those are more aesthetic, but I think now it's turned into more kind of like a fast food, grab a coffee or a snack and go, which is totally fine. But I think they're still keeping the products like that the, they make with the logos to keep some of that visual aesthetic in place. And I think the same thing with McDonald's. They're also trying to like create some products, but I think that's still more of a fast food rather than like selling merchandise as of right now. But I think, again, as you're saying, Cass, it applies to Boba King as well. Like, yeah. Just Starbucks is a bigger corporation. Like yeah. That. Do you think it's unethical that we have like a sort of free advertising essentially, right? Mm. I yeah, mean, it'll kind of go into your unconscious and be like, mm. I, that's the, the logo of the mermaid. It, it's very visually appealing, right? So I wonder if that like somehow that just persuades us to go and same thing with like, you know, shoes we wear, everyone yeah. wears Nike shoes as that. Yeah. I mean, everyone's familiar. Like yeah. Like Uggs. Mm -hmm. everyone's familiar with like the collective unconscious, that term. I've yeah. Heard mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Like I think it was created by Carl Jean, but it's basically like this idea that the things we sort of, experience kind of collect our collective in this sort of group mind and we create certain associations whether they sometimes are going to be different so i kind of think you know one is like this sort of free advertising ethical and i mean or is it just human nature too you know like we can't help having a nike 
logo because it was made by Nike. But like that, there's so it attracts people, but then do we forget like the cost it takes that the you know it's really unfair labor across overseas who made that Nike jacket or Nike shoes? I think sometimes logos, while they have this sort of aesthetic appeal, kind of thwart our ability to make change, make good positive social change sometimes. So it looks so appealing, right? Well, I, I think the interesting thing, bouncing off of what Matt and Lily said, it is a dopamine hit. You know, my roommate last year who um, every couple of months would go and buy a serotonin tumbler from uh, Starbucks, she would go and she would pick out one that was nice to touch and like had a good texture and had cool colors and she would do it every couple months because the you know dopamine effect of owning this thing and getting complimented on it would wear off after a couple months and then she would go and consume more and it's interesting sort of what Matt was talking about like we as a society like we as generations get in our heads about what is sort of socially cool and socially acceptable and a lot of it has to do with branding an example for me are like easy shoes. Like I don't understand why people buy those. They look bizarre. And it's just like there's there's a girl in one of my classes who has them and they look really cool on her. But you know, I look at them and I'm like, I would look like a clown. I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me. But it's something that we as a culture label as cool. Yeah, I think <laughs> I was really easily swayed by branding the other week. Um, my mom asked me for Christmas, do you want those like cute little platform Uggs that everyone's getting? I was like, no, those look ugly. <laughs> then I saw my coworker who I just think is like so cool. I saw her wearing them when she came to this event at work and I was like, I really want those. Those are really cute. <laughs> so now I really want them and now I'm on the wait list for them. And I got really easily swayed because I just thought they were so cute once I saw them in person. Mm -hmm. But like, I think there is really something to say about like, that like status symbol but also that dopamine hit of like you seeing something like really cool and like you just want it like I feel like that was maybe one of the first reasons why I went to Boba King is because it was like the new place on campus and I was like oh my gosh I've got to go I see people with these little like bear ear like cups and I was so like that's so cute yeah. yeah I was like I gotta go and I gotta try it and I think I also felt the same way about board and brew. I've like yeah, never been to a board yes. game and cafe place. So I was like, yeah. I've got to go there and try this out. Like, it sounds so cool. I, I go there religiously. All right. Cause the logo itself is awesome. It's like a little yeah. like dice mug with like, I know, I want it. yeah. it's so cute. They have like the board games all like, you can see it from the outside, but there's that the little chalkboard they bring outside and they have like, they like draw art on it. Yes. Like they do it. Like if it's Pride Month, they have something like to write on it, or if they have a new latte or something. And I'm like, damn, I do want to go in there because I do <laughs> want that new latte they have. It reminds me of Trader Joe's. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember when I was living on campus, uh, when everything was like semi lockdown in early, late 2020, early 2021, I would frequently go to Trader Joe's, and I I still have this picture. That they had drawn, I guess because people were coming in without masks on, even though there was a mask mandate, they had drawn the cutest little person <laughs> with a mask and it said, please keep your mask over your mouth and nose. Thanks. And I was like, that's adorable. Just keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. And I, would say, I, I just think they're like sort of places that use chalkboard art 
like that I think are really cool. You know, anthropology does that. And there's uh, a TikTok account of uh, a girl who is the artist for anthropology who does like laser displays. Mm -hmm. It's so cool to watch her do the chalk and stuff because I didn't realize it's not a stick of chalk. It's like one of those puppy paint markers. Oh. It's, it's I wonder could you brought it up in like a way to explaining how to use a mask. I don't know what everyone else thinks, but do you think that sort of visual is being able to explain a certain concept? I think in uh, some cases, yeah. I think especially too in Philadelphia, we have such diverse communities and people whose first language, let's say, is not English. Right. And for people who are, let's say, going to a restaurant and you have a picture like Boba King of what the boba will look like and what your drink will look like, I think it's so much easier and less stressful for them because they don't have to work through the language barrier. You can point or you can say, if you know a few words um, in the language that you need to say it in, like, oh, hey, can I have this one? Um, so I think it takes a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety out of that. And like, it communicates to everyone regardless of your language. So mm -hmm. you don't have that barrier anymore. You know what's interesting is, like, I keep thinking back to how many times I've gotten a drink at various places that looks like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It has like a three-tone gradient, but it tastes horrible. Going off of like the sneakers thing, like sneakers that look really cool, but then they're like bricks to wear on your feet and they're super uncomfortable. It, it makes me wonder like how successful companies are that prioritize visual components over the actual like use of the product uh, versus companies that value their utility. Kind of reminds me of the bake sale analogy. So the bake sale analogy is that, you know, they're the best looking thing you think that's going to win. It's like gorgeous, but it tastes awful. And then there's this misshapen blob of a cake. And my mom reminds me of that when I'm, you know, feeling down. She's like, well, you know, right now you may not feel like the prettiest person on the planet. Well, right now you may not feel like the smartest person in your class. But you can still do really well, even if you don't feel like you're the best out of that. So I think that's interesting, Doug, because, you know, we, we do put a lot of emphasis on looks, mm -hmm. I feel like. And like I was saying, you know, we, we all do judge a book by its cover, obviously. And it's just kind of interesting to think, okay, well, what if we didn't do that? Like, what companies would have made it if we didn't put so much emphasis on the visual aspect. This makes me think about multimodality and mm -hmm. how there's like, we learn as educators, you have to take a class, um, right 195, and in here you learn about the five methods of communication and they are spatial, visual, gestural, oral, and auditorial. And it's like basically how we as consumers consume the media that is presented to us and like the different forms. So basically if you look at an Instagram post, it's appealing to spatial, and visual and um, sometimes like auditorial and same with things like TikTok. So it's basically like making the media that you consume more digestible because it's appealing to different modes of communication that your brain can comprehend. And I think online now there's a lot of companies that when they're selling a product, they'll put a video of someone testing out the product or like testing out the shoe or walking in the shoe. And I think they do that because it appeals to more methods of communication that you can understand. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to figure out how to weave this in because I feel like this is such a big part of when people try to sell things is when they use language like limited edition. Yeah. It's such a big part. And not only does somebody want to buy it because they're like, oh, like I'm going to be the only one with this. Like 
but there's that idea of like if I don't buy it now, I'm never gonna be able to get it. It gives like, that incentive. That makes yeah. me think of like the whole like supreme brand thing kind of mm-hmm. strategy where like they have like a finite amount of product that they sell. Which, I don't know, I, don't, I also don't get money for it. But. And they, like, rush to buy it. Yeah. Like, they instantly try to just It inflates the prices so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it goes back to, because I think Supreme's a really good example. Mm-hmm. Just like a low, just a red box. Does it have to do with the values it represents more? Or the actual, like, the visual aesthetic appeal of it? Because we're putting meaning to that. Like, yeah. we don't have to make Supreme meaningful. But for some reason, we all just decide that, like, yeah, yeah. this is an expensive brand. Yeah, I think it's the value and right and like the visual like because it's like the visual is like even though it's just like white lettering and like a red box i mean they chose like a good font like it still looks nice (laughs) there's something nice about looking yeah but i think right it's like the value it's like the fact that you said like you said like it's limited edition like i'm like oh i need to get like the supreme thing because i want to have something that no one else is going to have at the same time Mm -hmm. and it's expensive for like just a shirt with a supreme logo on it yeah something that uh falls into this trap so i'm a nerd i really like watching uh gaming youtubers the two that are my favorite because i'm stuck in 2016 are markiplier and jack Seth. so i uh for my birthday was begging my mom to find me something for clothes which is their clothing brand and everything they have pretty much everything is limited edition mm-hmm. uh they do like releases for specific games the ones they just did is with dead space and I was going to get something from their Dead Space collection because it looks more like it looks less edgy. And my mom doesn't like edgy things, and mm-hmm. she's the one paying for it. So I was like, "Oh, this will make her happier." But I have never played Dead Space, so mm-hmm. I felt like a poser. So I was like, "I'm not going to do that." But the thing I ended up buying, I'm wearing it right now. I love it. It's great quality. It's awesome. But to people on the outside, you know, they may think, "Why did you buy that? It looks, you know, strange." And it was a seventy-eight dollar sweater you know and you think why would you spend that what that doesn't make any sense but it's the thing that grabs you it's the this is limited this is the limited edition Mm -hmm. thing and i like the way it looks and like stuff like that and basically unless you know about the brand nobody else is going to know what it is which i think is something that i like you know i feel secretive i think like i'm pretty sure it's gucci who plays off of that where they're like I think it's like their thing that sometimes their designs are just horrid. Like it is the ugliest thing you'll ever see on like a bag. I think that's common with a lot of like handbag brands. Yeah, but yes. that's like the so thing. Just... Like that's you know it's limited edition. Like there's people who collect these bags. Yeah, didn't like Balenciaga start with like those like ugly sneakers? But it was like they were like actually really ugly. Yeah, yeah, and everyone wanted them. I remember like seeing so many like influencers or YouTubers being like, "I got the Balenciaga sneakers," and I was like, "These are so ugly." Do you think that's like human nature, human nurture that drives us to want to have these products that may not have the best? You know the best material or maybe it does have the best material but it has like it's associated with a certain symbol or name mm-hmm. do you think that's something part of you know industrialism like living in a post-industrial world where we have mass-produced products and i don't think people mm-hmm. care i mean of course maybe in a certain social class that was a thing but for most people no one really cared mm-hmm. what brand of stocking you were wearing yeah. <laughs> do you think this sort of comparison or does anyone think this is more of just human nature that we have to compare ourselves aesthetically or is it more of something that's developed in modern times? Well, like, I feel like it's kind of a response to the fact that everything is so, like, 
blown up and there's so much of the same of everything and kind of this attempt to individualize ourselves and you know like it's limited edition like i'm going to be the only one who has this like i'm going to be an individual like i think it is kind of driven by that desire to stand out and not just be another fish in the sea i also think it could be a little bit of like nature too because i feel like right like isn't it like human nature to like want to fit in like want to be a part of the group right like i feel like that's very much a thing that's like ingrained in us like since like back when probably you want to like be in a group so you don't get killed part of it is like you want to be in the group right like i'm sure there weren't there like trends like in victorian eras and like i'm sure right like cut up down fabric that's used yeah yeah, design patterns yeah it's kind of like i i feel like the times that we're moving towards is like individualism is like the new collectivism it was reading an article about this because of social media it has like expedited trending Mm -hmm. so there are so many micro trends that it's like impossible for people to keep up with or if they try to there is no sense of individuality so like alessandra was saying there is going to be a push for individuality especially um with branding and with how you present yourself and like what you wear and the things that you buy just because of that because like there are so many micro trends it's like nothing is trendy and I'm so heartbroken to have to stop it here, but we, <laughs> we have like over 30 minutes, I think, of stuff. Oh. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you have any further questions regarding the Writing Center or have interest signing up for an appointment, make sure to go to drexel.mywconline.com or you can email us at Drexel Writing Center. Thank you so much for listening.